Well, welcome Easter 2017 at St. Paul's Church. Good to have you this morning. It really is. Those 40 heavy days of Lenten penitence and fasting have now come to a close. And today we get the return of, of bells of joy. We get to say the A word in church again. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. It even smells like Easter this morning, doesn't it? The wonderful Easter lilies. There is an onrush of joy and celebration in the air, there is no doubt. And so we gather today to celebrate as a couple billion people will gather to celebrate on Easter morning. And so we ask ourselves, why? Why do a couple billion people gather together on Easter? And the answer I'd like to give you today is because it's true. It's true, it's trustworthy, it's factual. How else do you explain what happened 2,000 years ago, the transformation of those disciples, the transformation of 2,000 years of lives ever since? It's Easter. It has to be Easter. Easter changed everything. You know, C.S. Lewis was not always a Christian, uh, and he wrote this about his conversion. This is applicable to Easter and the Christian faith. He said, I always haven't been a Christian, but when I did, I didn't go to Christianity to make me happy. Didn't go there to make me happy. I always knew that a good bottle of port wine could do that. <laughs> I went to Christianity because it's based on fact. If Christianity is untrue, then no honest man will ever want to believe it, however helpful it might be. And if it is true, then every honest man will want to believe it, even if it gives him no help whatsoever. Do you believe the truth of Easter this morning? Are you filled with the courage and, and faith and hope for life that Easter brings? If you're not, I want you to journey with me with the two Marys on that first Easter morning from Matthew's Gospel. Those two Marys, as they went into the tomb, they examined the evidence they saw an empty tomb with no body. They saw an, an angel telling them that the Lord has risen. They felt the earthquake, and they met the risen Lord that day. And they were filled with such a sense of, of conviction in their hearts that they rushed forth from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the other disciples, he's risen. Let's investigate. Let's walk in the tomb together. Let me just... First of all, say, if you were concocting a story about a risen Messiah, the last thing you would do is place two women at the heart of the story. And that's just, just a fact. You know, back in that age, uh, neither in Jewish jurisprudence or Roman jurisprudence did the testimony of women hold any weight whatsoever. So naturally, if you're concocting a story, you put Peter, James, and John at the tomb, not Mary and Mary Magdalene. The only reason you can imagine is that they're telling it as it was. They're leaving the story exactly as it was meant to be. That we're reading history. Changing history that changed the course of the world. The gospel writers also, they drop names. Have you ever noticed that? They drop names like Mary and Mary Magdalene. They talk about Cleopas who, who met Jesus on the road to Emmaus in his resurrected form. They talk about Thomas, who, who poked the resurrected Jesus. They talk about all kinds of people, like Simon of Cyrene, who carried the cross of Jesus. And it said, he's the father of Rufus and Alexander. 
Why such precise detail in the Gospels? They're basically footnotes. These people were still alive when this was written. So if you don't believe Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, go ask Rufus, go ask Cleopas, ask Joanna, ask Mary. They will testify that he is risen. Number three, those two women who went to the tomb that morning, they had no conceptual framework for Easter. They weren't going there expecting a risen Lord. They were expecting to anoint with myrrh and spices the dead body of Jesus. Game over. He's dead. Even Mary in John 20, when she gets to the tomb, she sees Jesus, but she perceives him to be the gardener. Remember that? She would not allow her mind to believe with Easter joy that he could be raised. And then he spoke, Mary. And suddenly she heard his voice and said, Rabuni, Rabuni, teacher, my teacher lives. Easter, it brought hope to the disciples. They thought game over. Yes, they thought game was over. Bishop uh, N.T. Wright, wonderful theologian of the Anglican faith, he said that there were many, many uh, messianic pretenders in around the time of Jesus. And he said with each one of them, they followed the same pattern. What they would do is they would talk about the kingdom and that they would be king over the new kingdom that God was establishing. And they would have disciples that would gather around them. And when their disciples numbered enough, the Roman armies would take notice of them and they would squash them like a bug. Game over. Go home. Take your political t-shirt off. Uh, take the bumper sticker off the back of your car that says hope and change. Because there is no hope and there is no change. Your Messiah is dead. Every one of them were forgotten in history except one, Jesus. Do you think they, they saw something that allowed them to continue to have faith and courage that their Messiah is not dead? The movement's not over? Think about those disciples. They received a new sense of, of boldness, of courage, of, of witness, of thanksgiving and joy. Remember Peter? He's denying Jesus three times just a few nights earlier. And he uh, was a, just a colossal wimp. And 50 days later, he's preaching the gospel with boldness. Eleven of those 12 disciples would give their lives for the gospel's sake. You think they saw something Easter? Yes, they saw something. They knew that you could beat them now and mock them and stone them and kill them. And they would rise again just as Jesus has risen from the grave. And their worship changed. Think about it. No good Jew would ever worship anything in this created order. And suddenly, they begin to worship Jesus. That morning, when Jesus says greetings to Mary and Mary Magdalene, it says that they fell at his feet and they grabbed his legs and they worshipped him. Think about how odd that is for a Jew. They must have believed that he was more than just a teacher, that he was God incarnate raised from the dead. And they started to sing songs immediately after the resurrection. They began to gather on Sundays for the Lord's Supper, communion, the Eucharist, every Sunday. Even Jesus' own family began to worship him. How strange is that? I know many mamas worship their sons, but this is a different kind of thing here, okay? In Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, they believed, his own family believed that he was gone cuckoo. All this talk about a kingdom and him being king and healing people and casting out demons, he's gone crazy. They want to lock him up because they think he's gone mad. These same family members are now falling at his feet and worshiping him. 
Mary's in the upper room worshiping Jesus, her son. The two brothers, two of the brothers of Jesus, um, James and Jude, they start worshiping Jesus as Lord. James becomes the bishop of Jerusalem. How do you account for that? Other than they saw something amazing that broke their paradigm of what they thought was possible in this world. They saw something. Even the enemies of Jesus began to fall down. Remember Saul of Tarsus, who was convicted that he should be persecuting the church. He went from persecutor to preacher when he met the risen Lord in the flesh. I love what Rick Warren says. He says, no other event has impacted the world as much as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said, Jesus never wrote a book, but more books have been written about Jesus than any other character in history. He says that Jesus never composed a song, but there are more songs written about Jesus than any person in history. Jesus never sculpted, he never painted, but he was the inspiration for more art in the past 2,000 years than any other figure by far. He says that Jesus never went further than 200 miles from his hometown. And yet there are Christians in every nook and cranny across this planet because of Easter. They knew it to be true. They knew it to be real. Finally, there was no body. Mary Magdalene and Mary came to an empty tomb. Don't you think that if they were saying Jesus is raised from the dead and one of the critics had the body, they would say, no, here he is. Here's the body. But they didn't because they couldn't. They couldn't. And the believers, the disciples, would not desecrate the body by burning it or trashing it. It's just unimaginable. The Bible reports that Jesus began to show himself to, to 11 and then some more and some more. The Acts of the Apostles says that over 500 people saw him. Can you imagine concocting a story where you got 500 of your closest friends to believe a myth or a fable or an analogy? And you say, we're going to go to the grave with this mystery and we're going to never tell the truth. You know, there's an old saying that you can get three people to keep a secret as long as two of them are dead. <laughs> How do you keep a secret with 500 people? What they saw on Easter morning was true and real. It was resurrected life of their Savior. They experienced Easter hope, and it's been changing lives the last 2,000 years. And there is no story like it, friends. There's no truth like it. There is no religion like it. We are Easter people, and he's a risen Lord. Think about it. Abraham. We know where he's buried. He's buried in Hebron. And you can go to his grave today. There are pilgrimages made every year, and they weep, and they mourn, and they cry, and they wish for Abraham to be alive. You can know that Buddha is buried in India, and people make pilgrimage there every year, and they weep and they mourn and they cry, wishing he were alive. Muhammad, they go to Medina every year and remember their prophet, and they weep and they mourn and they cry and they wish he were alive, but they're all dead. They're all dead. You know who's in Abraham's tomb? Abraham. You know who's in Buddha's tomb? Buddha. You know who's in Muhammad's tomb? Muhammad. You know who's in Jesus' tomb? Nobody, nobody. And it was that nobody in the tomb that convinced them he's alive. Dear friends, we're not Jews, we're Christians. We're Christians and we gather on Easter because the story is true. The empty tomb stands open for investigation. If you do not believe in the resurrected Lord and do not have the courage and the peace and the joy that comes with it, I beg of you to pray. 
pray for God's wisdom, and investigate it for yourselves. For he is victorious. He is Lord. He is God. He's Savior. He's Christ. He's King. He lives in heaven at the right hand of God on the throne of glory, and yet can live in the individual's heart through the power of the Holy Spirit if you invite him. C.S. Lewis said it well. I didn't go to Christianity to make me happy. I came because it's a fact. If you don't believe in the risen Lord, I beg you, walk into the tomb with those two Marys and investigate for yourselves. For Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, if Christ has not been raised, then our faith is futile and we are still in our sins. And those who have died in Christ, they've perished. They're gone. But he concludes, but Christ indeed has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, for since death came through one man, so does the resurrection come through one man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ will all be made alive. My friends, Easter is the linchpin that holds the faith of the church together. Decide for yourself, is it true? But don't let it allow it to be just a good story, an analogy, a myth, a metaphor. In a powerful poem by John Updike, read it on the internet, it's great, I'll just mention a few things. But here's what he said. He said, make no mistake about it, if he rose at all, it was as his body. If the cell's dissolution did not reverse, if the molecules did not renit, if the amino acids did not rekindle, then the church will fall. It was not as the flowers that we have up here. It was not the flowers each soft, recurrent spring. It was not just as his spirit. It wasn't just spirit in the mouths and fuddled eyes of 11 apostles. It was as his flesh, as his flesh. So church, let us not mock God with metaphor, analogy, sidestepping the transcendence of Easter, making the event into a parable. No, 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 no. Let's walk through the door. The stone is rolled back. And alleluia. He's risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah.